Welcome, welcome, one and all, to another installment of the Sarcastic Show, Episode 3. It's live. Well, sort of live. I'm your host, Roger C. But before I begin, I'd like to thank uh, Greg Z on our previous episode. That was Episode 2, because that comes before 3, for his insight into the rental crisis in Toronto during this time of uncertainty with... uh, when we have the coronavirus to deal with as well. But above all, I want to offer my, my sincere thanks and gratitude and appreciation to the entire healthcare profession, doctors, nurses, the support staff here in Toronto and across our great country, Canada, and in the U.S. as well. And we know, you know, the last time I had this, uh, I was on episode two, the numbers were pretty, um, were rising, and uh, right now it's, uh, I think there's 1.7 million cases um, in the U.S., there is something like 18,000 dead. Uh, they're burying people in mass graves now, so it's getting to be a really horrendous situation. Right, and, uh, uh, you know, as well as the, uh, what I want to also thank as well is those people involved directly in the front lines, the service providers risking their lives, maintaining many of the supply chains, you know, like the truckers and, and um, you know, the, the, the grocery clerks and all those people that, uh, that were thought about as being menial are now, I mean, part of the top of this food chain. And they're the ones that are making next to nothing um, dollars, uh, you know, doing their job and, and being disrespected. Some people are being spat on. So I just want to thank all those people that are doing their job. Um, kudos, congrats, and, and be safe uh, out there. Anyway, well, let's get into it, shall we? As we all know, the world is going to crash, business as usual. The pandemic is now part of our daily life. It has not only changed our routine by force, but in my opinion, retooled the manner in in how we confront our fears as well as interacting with one another. Well, it's not all doom and gloom, but uh, even even though we are being bombarded with imagery of negativity, as I just was alluding to earlier, yes, it's bad, and guess what? It's going to get a lot worse before it gets better. We all know that. The numbers are climbing. But we have to try our best to turn down the noise and to turn our attention towards positivity. And one thing for sure, I'll keep on broadcasting to keep the lines of communication alive. My belief an educated mind can never be deterred from being inquisitive. This episode coming up here, episode three, is no different. You know, for me, I've always uh, been fascinated by what makes the world go around and uh, around. And it's neither the axis, nor the polarity, north, south, east, west, blue states, white states, you know, you know, um, you know people starving. What, what, what really makes everything go? What makes everything thick? And, um, and something we hate to admit it, but we all know what it is. And you know what everything is about? Money. Money, that is. So, well, my faithful listeners... You're in for an education, and maybe a little treat, maybe some enlightenment to see how things go here. Uh, I asked someone who I've known for about, I would say, over 40 years now, who lives on the West Coast in uh, B.C., in our great country, Canada, to shed some light on, on misconceptions. Even I, even I, I admit, actually needed to be schooled on this subject of money, right? And we know that right now everybody's running out of money. Um, we have the government that is giving us, um, uh, giving people $2,000. Unfortunately, because I'm, 
am uh, self-employed, uh, you know, and doing my thing, um, I don't I don't qualify. But maybe I can be on the on on the, on the line soon. But who knows? Uh, but until such time, I'm gonna keep it going. So what I'm gonna do now is um, give my 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 pal uh, in in uh, the the West Coast a call, and get right into the fray on episode three on what's money got to do with it. Hello. How are you, Pedro? <laughs> good, 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 good. Yeah, that's yeah, that's um I was um I was just getting ready for get everything together. I was just telling my, my wonderful listeners that I'm gonna be calling someone uh on the on the West Coast, you know. Uh, you know, and um told them that what we're gonna be talking about tonight is about money. You know, and money, money, money. money. You know, and uh, we don't have a lot of money these days, as you know, because um, the world go around. Oh yeah, that was part of my that was part of my thing. What I said on my on my um on my intro, uh, it makes the world go wrong. I said it was it was not about the axis and not about the polarity, but about money. So um, I had mentioned in my intro that uh, that uh, I've known you for over forty years, and um, you know, and you 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 uh, you, you you're going to give a little bit of insight into into what all this monetary stuff was all about and how you started out with it right and and what and what get, and what uh what made you interesting in uh, you know interested about what was going on because i to me i th- i think it's really really exciting i i i even mentioned to some people during the week before this before this episode that um that it was going to be exciting to hear what you had to say and how you came to some realizations i mean you're not a as you said a a, a professor on this thing but but you have some common sense ideas about it, so um, yeah, I'm gonna let I let let the floor go, so you can tell us about uh, you know how the whole all this thing began and and where you act sure. with things. Well, started at the beginning and um, you know how I got an interest in this. Um, a little bit of history in my family with my dad and my granddad. Uh, they were both professionals, engineers, and uh, uh, but they always seemed to like to talk about money. It was, sometimes it was under sort of hushed conversations and stuff, so it always sort of piqued an interest, uh, just as to, you know, what what their conversations were, were about. And, uh, so, um, but I had a career in uh, graphic arts, and um, that's my background. I'm not a business or financial person, uh, but I am very interested in the social sciences, and uh, economics uh, definitely is uh, has an aspect uh that. So it's it's a uh, technical and a mathematical, and but uh, but more than that, it's um, I think it's a social uh, um, uh, study. So um, uh, when I had a little business and I saved up a bit of money, and when the um, great financial crisis appeared in 2008, uh, like a lot of us, my uh, and investments went down. I just had, uh, you know, a conservative account with the bank, uh, and I was just trusting on them. Uh, and I, it, it shook me, uh, hmm. losing 15% in, you know, 10 days, and uh, not used to that. So uh, I got a little nervous, and uh, I started thinking, well, how can I, how can I uh, protect my money uh, from, you know, going down the drain any further, and. Uh, I started listening to some podcasts uh, 
um, and a fellow named Jim Poplava, uh, and he was a sort of hard-boiled, uh, traditional uh, banker-type guy, and uh, he recommended uh, moving money into gold. So that's what I did. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so for a period of time, I followed uh, people involved in you know, restore, restoring the gold to the gold standard and all that kind of stuff. And uh, but not knowing enough about uh, about it, I you know, I, I basically took their the word on it. There seemed to be a lot of wisdom to it, and etc. etc. Um, but uh, I kept on. It sort of piqued my interest, and I started uh, to read more articles and sort of cast my net a little bit further in terms of uh, well, what else is out there? How does you know what, what other ideas are out there, and um, I so that was in 2008. I'd say around 2010, 11, I started getting interested in a movement here in Canada called uh, um, a group called Homer Committee on Monetary Economic Reform. And just around that time, I started reading books by uh, Ellen Brown and, uh, and the like. And um, Mm-hmm. In, uh, in general, it, it was the idea that we have a central bank that can create our money, um, and we don't need a gold-backed currency or anything like that. Um, but the, um, uh, their um, considerations were that the government was not using their uh, abilities to create money, but they're rather borrowing from the commercial sector, as evidenced by bond sales and, and that type of thing and so I, I got involved with that and uh, learned about it and thought oh well, gee that must be the way it is and <laughs> so I, I, I thought it would be you know the idea of, of the government with this money creation powers being able to spend into the economy is a good idea and uh, um, the idea that the Canadian government should have to borrow money from uh, commercial bank, a private bank, and pay interest is ludicrous. So, so um, uh, uh, can I interject here a little bit? Um, now, sure. when, when you when you were saying, like, the, the, the Canadian bank, right? I mean, like, I mean, because I, I think I'd had this conversation with you at, at one point and saying, well, I always thought that, you know, um, the uh, the bank prints money or, or the Canadian government prints money, and, and you sort of get, got me a schooling on that as, as that, the you know, the, the Canadian government does not, is it, does it print money? Does it? How how yeah. how does that thing work? Well, I mean, like because everybody you know, thinks I mean, that you, they can. We we live in an age where we have uh, digital uh, accounting, and uh, you know certainly the Canadian government is responsible for providing uh, you know cash and uh, coins to the public that still is circulating. So in that sense, you know they print the money through it's it's treasury really I believe that's involved with that, and and they. Um, the, the Queen Printer uh, handles printing cash and stuff, so the government uh, um, the government takes care of that. But um, uh, but nowadays, most of currency is recorded in uh, on the balance sheets, uh, spreadsheets of uh, banks, uh, and it's just numbers. It's just uh, that reside on computers. Uh, so how so okay? So how does it work in this present situation? Because a lot of people are thinking like we got we're we getting this two thousand dollars. Right, supposedly everybody's getting this two thousand dollars from the government. Everybody thinks it's free money, but I I know we have to pay it back because we have to we have to we have to we have to claim it on our taxes. 
right? Um, so is this well, money? Is this money know, from the taxes? Is this money? Where's this money from? I mean, is it? Is it like? Yeah. Is, they, they printed up a whole bunch of money and said, "Hey, here's here's two two grand." Well, you know, I I, I really prefer not to use the term printing money because only a fraction of the money is actually printed, so it's not really very accurate, right? And it has a bit of a cachet to it. I, I just don't, don't really like it. I, 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 you know, the Canadian government issues currency. Canadian government uh, deposits uh, money in people's uh, checking accounts. And, you know, it's, so it's it, so. At, at any rate, it's become a moniker, and people use it. So I don't fuss too much about it. But it's it's a little bit inaccurate. Um, you know, we. We are under the impression that our federal taxes fund the government for its spending, okay? Mm-hmm. And that would be a reasonable thing to conclude if our currency was backed by a commodity, um, like gold, for instance. If we still had a gold standard, then that would be true because the government, in order to print the currency, the dollar bills, every dollar bill would have to be uh, backed by a certain amount of gold. There would be a little speck of gold sitting you know, in the in the um, where they keep their gold or the you know Bank of Canada or wherever mm-hmm. where it's kept or down at Fort Knox in the States or wherever um, so then it, it, so the, uh, the um, ability to for a government uh, to issue currency and a gold standard it has to have the gold there to back it up and if it doesn't have the gold and it needs to spend well then it has to borrow uh, from other people who uh, have either gold or they, they have to acquire the money. Uh, so in that effect, they would go out and tax people and they would get the money from the population because there's money circulating, gold back money circulating, so they draw it out of the, from the population in order to fund but with, uh, now it's under Gold Center, but under uh, the, the way that we banking operates now, it's uh, a sovereign nation, fiat currency, um, is not backed by gold or, or is not backed, uh, uh, paired with any other commodity that, that restricts the amount of money we spend. It floats our, uh, the currency on the international market, and that's a descriptor of, of, uh, of, our, of our banking system. Currently, it's fee currency. Um, so the government is the only entity that can create the Canadian dollar. Right? Now, that Canadian dollar can be a, a dollar bill in your pocket, or it can be a number on a spreadsheet in the bank somewhere. Um, so uh, it's not it, it's not beholden to to other entities in terms of its ability to issue the Canadian yeah, dollar. But- yeah, so so it is not technically dependent on federal taxes as a funding mechanism. Federal taxes play a very important role, and they're necessary uh, for a number of reasons, but funding isn't one of them. So, but for instance, in Canada, the process is the Parliament draws up a budget. It directs the Treasury uh, to spend a certain amount of money within the, you know, the budget uh, targets, right? And then what happens is somebody at the Treasury uh, tells the, the somebody at Bank of Canada to credit uh, the Treasury's account at 
the Central Bank, the Bank of Canada, by the amount of the budget, and those numbers appear on the spreadsheet. And uh, in essence, uh, that is how the Canadian government and the Central Bank creates the currency uh, and that allows it to spend into the economy. Now, it gets a little bit technical. I, I can explain it, and I, I will. Mm-hmm. There are some involved, but, um, but in terms of uh, taxation, and uh, um, this, it's very important for people to understand exactly why we pay federal taxes. And it's not the same. We have to have the distinction of the Canadian government is a currency issuer. It's a currency creator. We, everybody else, are currency users. You know, if we wanted to expand our budget, we look at, oh, geez, honey, we've got to make a payment, so oh, we'll just go print some money off our photocopier and we'll pay with that, and that's illegal. We go to Dallas County. So only the Canadian government can create currency. Um, uh, so it's, it's a monopoly. Um, the government, um, the federal taxes are necessary for two reasons. One, taxation at the federal level drives the need for people to acquire Canadian dollars in order to pay their taxes on their income. So they have to come up with Canadian dollars. They can't go out there and, and offer up, uh, you know, back in Nova Scotia uh, bank drafts or whatever and say, hey, it's worth the money here, you take this. The Canadian government will say, no, you have to pay us in cash coins. Or and the federal government only takes reserves, actually. Uh, taxes are, are paid by... Uh, uh, reducing the amount of uh, reserves that reside in the uh, commercial banks that have the central okay. bank. Okay. Okay, I know, I know. Well, you know, here, here's the thing, and you, and you're losing me a little bit here, and I'm sure that some people are living yeah, lost sure. a little bit. Uh, here's, here's the thing. Like the regular guy in the street, like he goes, he goes to work. Like right now, nobody has yeah. any work, and we put in because because right. I, I I want to show how this thing equates to because last in the last episode I was talking about people that couldn't pay their rent, okay. Now yeah. we're talking about yeah. about about money, how this money is generated. Now the guy that doesn't have any yeah. money and he goes to work and he's making fifteen bucks an hour, he hears things like deficit. He hears things like 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 the no, look, um, I'm I'm getting free money, like like because the government is printing all this money, which you say that that's not the case. They are issuer, right? It has to be backed by certain securities. It has to be backed by certain things, something tangible. Now. When somebody hears deficit, I asked someone there. I said, "You know what a deficit is?" And everybody, "Oh yeah, I know what a deficit," is. and they don't know. When I explained it, okay. Well, so uh, okay, I understand. So about a fee of currency. Well, what tax the Canadian dollar? Well, but yeah, what's the measure of that? You don't have anything tangible like gold. But what you have is the the um, the full faith and credit of the Canadian public and their ability to create wealth and value through the resources at their disposal, both human and physical. We're a very rich country in both of those measures. Um, so that is really what backs our free currency. It's the ability of our population to produce goods, to produce wealth, um, and that's why people trust in the Canadian dollar. You know, you look at Canadian Canada, they have an idea that this is a prosperous country and their, their dollars must be stable. And that's pretty much how it is. Now, um, in terms of what a deficit is, so a deficit is an accounting um, uh, consideration. Um, all money is created, and this is true in the private sector and in the public sector, the public sector being represented by the Bank of Canada. All money is created through uh, bookkeeping entries on the accounts 
uh, the banks that, are, that make that make loans. So all money uh, really derives from the loan process. So when you go to a bank, they uh, make an assessment of your credit worthiness, like are you going to pay them back, and they'll issue credit, okay, bank credit. Uh, the, in, commercial banks don't issue currency. They issue what's called bank credit, but it's denominated in Canadian dollars and functions in the economy in the same manner. Mm-hmm. So it's indistinguishable to the average person, okay? But if so, when you take out a loan, the bank takes on what's called a promissory note, which is your promise to pay. And they also have a listing of your collateral so that you have a lien on your collateral. So the bank protects themselves in case you default. But in case it goes completely south, um, commercial banks are responsible for zeroing out the account that they have created on your behalf when you t- when you take the loan. So on the spreadsheet, you would have an asset and a liability for the bank. Their asset is your promissory note, your promise to pay. That's your liability, right? Um, and their, uh, the, the bank's liability would be the deposit account that they create on their spreadsheet, which is, in fact, their liability. It's right on the spreadsheet, asset liability. So they have received a promissory note. Let's say your loan is $10,000. They mark up the uh, up there on their books at $10,000, and they create the liability on the other side of the books. And, and that's how deposit, that's how money is, comes into existence, right then and there, when, when you know, when on the, on the, um, through double entry accounting on their books. And that 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 that, um, that manifests itself to you know Joe Average as as like hey honey you know like but the the, ten, the loans come through here's ten thousand dollars in my account at the commercial bank and all it is is just the bank marking up his account and, and so that's how all money is created even at the federal level it's a little bit different because um, what's backing the Canadian dollar. Uh, is really the full faith and credit of the Canadian people and the Canadian government. So when the Canadian government says create uh, $10 billion for our expended, next expenditures for six months or whatever their phrase is, they, there's, there's nobody that they're beholden to. They don't borrow that money from anybody else. They create it. So in effect, they both create and, and just destroy the loan eventually or the creation of money eventually through taxation, through federal taxation. But there's nobody that they're beholden to. There's, we're not borrowing Canadian dollars from China or from any other country. We're the only entity that can create Canadian dollars is the federal government. So why? So a deficit is the spending that the Canadian government does after it's created the money and the money is in the treasurer's account, okay, or the, really they're just digits on spreadsheets, those digits are moved. They're called reserves. Uh, yes, reserves. yes, you were talking about that. Yes. And yeah, so what happens is the numbers move from the treasury's account, and they move into the accounts that commercial banks have at the central bank, at the Bank of Canada. So they, when they moved over, they're referred to as, as a reserve transfer, right? They're transferred over, and that backstops the banks. The Bank of Canada is actually a a huge check clearing facility. They 
do the they handle the transactions uh, uh, in the commercial sector and in the public sector. Uh, imagine all the millions of transactions every day, people moving money from one account to the other, back and forth. The settlement of all of that activity is uh, uh, done uh, using reserves in the central banking system. So the central banking system is keeping track of all the commercial activity. And at the end of the day, every bank has to balance their books, right? And they have to, well, if they're short, they have to come up with reserves in order to uh, balance their books. That's a mandate. They can borrow from other banks, interbank lending, commercial banks, or a window of last resort is they can borrow from the Bank of Canada to meet their reserve requirements. Okay, but how, how? Okay, yeah. with all this stuff that's yeah. going on here, I mean, like, and that's and that is, as a matter of fact, for someone who is not technical about things and and, and is and sure. is not is not an e- economist, uh, um, you you really know this yeah. stuff through and through. Now, how? Yeah. Now, again, as I said, right now we're dealing with a with with a with a pandemic. We're dealing with situation yes. people are out of work, and and they're wanting okay. to know where they're going to get their next dollar from. And and the savior yeah. the savior is the government coming in and giving them this yeah. money. Now, how does that affect the, the reserves, the treasury, the central bank? How does that, and, and, and I think you had mentioned something to me that, uh, that, the, that the bank, that the, the Canadian government gave, gave people a, a, line, a, a, a line at one time saying, you know, it's like they told them one story, but actually they were trying, they, they couldn't keep it well, straight. Like, yeah. like, like how so, does this? You know, we, the um, economic school that uh, is currently in vogue, uh, is the monetarist school, and they they still maintain that uh, the government needs to be funded, and it's a fallacy. And uh, the new sort of kid on the block is uh, what you'll probably some people have heard of, the modern monetary theory, as it's uh, it's not new. It it, it was developed uh, a paper by uh, or a movement by a fellow named George Frederick Nat. Nap and and he founded this. It was called Chartalism back in the day. So really, MMT is really neo-Chartalism. It's really the same principles. Um, and now, um, I, 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 what, I'm sorry, I'm just getting lost. Here. No, 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 no. I was just I was just saying to you. You're talking about the MMT, and you're talking. I'm just talking. I'm seeing it in regards to to the people in the street right now. I mean, like you know. You know, like they they know black and white. Well, okay, yes, yes, of course, yes. So, so people are under the impression that we, you know, we're like uh, that the federal federal government is, is the same as they are. They're currency users, but they don't they don't. Uh, uh, it's not promoted that well. In effect, the Canadian government is not a currency user; it's a currency creator. And don't, people don't think about that. They just they just reference it to how they are in their personal lives, and as well. Because of the history, I mentioned the gold standard, and at one at one point in time, that was necessary for the Canadian government. But we had a huge change in this in '33, I think it was, uh, when the U.S. went off the gold standard for its domestic uh, application, and uh, and then again in '70 was it '71 that they went off the gold standard entirely. They gone back gold uh, on the inter- for international trade, for instance. So. Um, that has made a huge difference. Um, uh, we 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 live in a different era, but that has not translated through to the public. The public has not been made aware that we don't uh, live in an economy that, uh, uh, and the descriptions that uh, or the description that the Canadian government needs 
federal taxes to fund themselves is not really valid anymore. Federal taxes serve, uh, as I mentioned before, to drive uh, the need to get Canadian dollars, right? Mm -hmm. Because we have to pay our taxes and the government only takes Canadian dollars. Um, Federal taxes also play a very important role as part of fiscal policy in terms of uh, taking, uh, taking money circulating in the economy out of the economy to inhibit any type of inflationary trend, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, so those, those, that's the two main reasons why we have to pay federal taxes. We are, but the idea that our taxes at the federal level pay for the government is not true because the government just can't create the money. It's the only entity that can do that, and they can do that, and that's why. So, uh, but that doesn't mean that we shouldn't have prudence in our spending. Absolutely, we should have prudence. Okay. Now, you talked about this current uh, catastrophe that's happened with COVID, COVID, COVID nineteen. Yeah. Um, and so now people are out of work, as you described. Well, how are they going to pay the rent and mortgage if they don't have income? Well, so if it was true that the Canadian government needed your taxes in order to spend into the economy to help people out well where is that money going to come from we haven't we haven't paid the canadian government taxation to do that we so but the canadian government is spending into the economy to help people out and they should be congratulated for that where's the money coming from well it's because they created through the process that i described earlier that's what I'm talking about. So, so that that's that's why that's why pe- people don't understand this, and and they think that they think that this they they're given the wrong information that that this is tax or or I'm, I'm or that's my tax dollars, and I'm going to be taxed on it again. You know what I mean? Because that's that's my money anyway, right? So everybody thinks that two thousand dollars is their money anyway, and they're being taxed no. on that money. Is that true or not? No, it's not true. Okay. Uh, the Canadian government creates some money and issues into. The economy, the other big consideration for the Canadian government and the economists that are involved is that uh, we don't uh, create some type of rampant inflation. So that's, they, they focus on that and make sure and they can take steps to, to combat inflation if they see any interest of it. But we're not in an, in an inflationary situation. It's a deflationary situation. There's not enough money out there because of this. So the government must do this. It must provide the money in order for people to keep the economy alive, keep the payment system going, etc. Now, that's going to create a deficit on the books of uh, 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 the Bank of Canada, right? Yeah. But who cares? All a deficit is is a recording of the monies that have left the Treasury's account at the central bank and been transferred over into the reserve accounts of commercial banks. It's okay. And then when the government spends, all it does is it tells the commercial bank, so... Joe Blow's got an account in your bank, and we want to credit you to credit his account, showing that we've made a payment to him. And all that the commercial bank does is just, okay, and they mark up Joe's account by whatever the bill is, right? And so that's all so that's I, involved with. So, yeah. so, so are you telling me that the Canadian government could actually fund a lot of things without without even batting an eye and and we should not even be in deficit so deficit is like like a is like a playing playing with a spreadsheet just moving money around and around and and, and that's, because that's, that's absolutely Roger that's all that the deficit is it's numbers it's a spreadsheet and boy you know we can get some pretty big numbers but hey we've got pretty big numbers in Canada what how many 30 million people making between 60 70,000 dollars a year on average 30,000 dollars whatever it is 
there's a large numbers already floating around in our economy in terms of the, the total expenditures and stuff. Why are we getting so uh, upset that we have large numbers in our deficit? The deficit is just a recording of the of the currency that the government, the federal government, has spent in the economy. It's the government's deficit. It's the people's assets. So why does it's, why does it always make us feel as if like when when we hear the word deficit? People don't understand what it is. When we hear the word deficit, we feel, oh my gosh, I'm going to be charged more taxes. That's all we hear, more taxes. Oh, geez. Every, everybody thinks of it in terms of prudence. If I have to exercise prudence in my monthly budget, why doesn't the government? And if the government is running up a debt or deficit, well, I can't do that. I, if I run out of money, I'll go bankrupt, right? But the government isn't going to run out of money, right? So... If you think of a sporting event, you'll, you'll hear some of the MNT economists say this. If you think of a sporting event, and, and geez, you know, you're playing this team, and man, they're just beating the snot out of us. It's 70 to nothing. But oh, wait a minute. We have to cancel the game. You know why? We've run out of numbers to put on the score sheet. Oh my gosh. You know, so we can't, you know, oh, we thought we were going to have a comeback in the fourth quarter, you know. Oh, but geez, oh man, the scorekeeper ran out of numbers. Ah, oh, I guess seven even nothing. <laughs> I, I mean, that's essentially what it is. That's, so, 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 in other words, the government is. The deficit is. Why? How can the government run out of numbers to put up? Because they, they they're creating the numbers. So in other words, we are so we are constantly getting fucked. In that, is that other words, we are constantly getting fucked. Well, well, you know, there's misunderstanding in the public, and there's a lot of reasons for that. Um, but it has a lot to do with historical. I mean, you know, I grew up, and when I was a little kid, I'm a boomer, right? When I was a little kid, I had a piggy bank. My dad told me, oh, you save your pennies, we'll take it to the bank, we'll put it in an account, and, and the, then then the, the bank will pay you interest, and you'll earn money, and they'll take your money and lend it out. And that's a loanable funds model, and it, which isn't true. Um, but this is sort of old world thinking. And it's embedded into our psyche, our, our sort of collective psyche. We all, when we think of these things, well, we all know the basics. We learned it as a kid, and and we don't think much of it. And anything that contradicts that is just like, wow, oh, that's nuts. That's kooky talk, you know. Like we all know, but 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 unfortunately, we don't understand the new paradigm that occurred when we went to a fiat currency, which changed things around, and we weren't told about it. You know, when the news anchors came on in the 70s and stuff and announced that, you know, the U.S. was going off the gold standard, they didn't follow it up by, by saying, you know, and this is what this means. It means that we now have the ability to create a currency without having to restrict ourselves in terms of applying a commodity against it. But they never really told us that, and nobody ever really thought about it. So well, nobody asked. The idea is, because 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 every everybody was 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 a, was a fool. I mean, uh, you know, I'm I'm saying right now because right now everybody is freaking out. Nobody has jobs, right? They they're yeah. so they're so happy sure. for this two thousand dollars. We're gonna hear yeah. that. I bet you money that the government is gonna say, "Oh, we're in a big deficit because we had to we had to we had to give eighty two billion dollars out to to the Canadians so so that they can." The, the deficit it doesn't matter. Why does the deficit matter? Right? Does Canada have to pay that money back to anybody? No, they don't. If they want to take that, if there's an inflationary issue later on when the economy starts booming, sure, they 
can tax higher or they can find some way to, to take the money of the currency out of the economy. That's, that's not a problem. Uh, right now, we have deficit. We have a, uh, it's not an inflationary environment that we're in. We're facing a, uh, facing a very deflationary environment because nobody has any money. So you have to keep the economic system alive by priming it with money. People have to have the money to go about their daily lives. And it's nothing to worry about that the government is expanding its balance sheet and the deficit is growing. Don't worry about it. It's a good thing. The government is being prudent and doing the right thing. I want them. They should do more. Um, and when this is all over, hopefully, hopefully soon, uh, we can start considering some of the things that would be beneficial to the population and, uh, you know, improving our health care system. We have a public health care system. We're very lucky, but it, it could use a lot of improvement. Um, and then other initiatives, uh, uh, student loans. Uh, this is a huge burden for our kids, right? They don't, have, you know, there's no need for students to be burdened with the types of uh, debts that they're incurring. So why, uh, so why, so why are they doing it? So, so they basically, so, so when you hear people like um, in the U.S., Bernie Sanders saying that um, free education for all, um, and and they're saying that you know that that these these people shouldn't shouldn't get free education. That that's a socialist system. I mean, and this and because we're in a capital, you know, like you know, you know, the Americans with their bullshit. That's all ideologues, ideology, and it's just a constraint. It's just a sort of a psychological restriction that people have. You know, that's just human nature. It's the way that people have been shaped. If you think of our greater society, we all want to be on this team or that team. You know, I'm a Republican team. I want to be on that. Democrat team, you know, yeah, go team, you know, it's a co- adversarial politics, right? It's it's not the ideal situation. We should be we should be trying to coalesce and come up with good ideas. So. Uh, and a non-adversarial. So, uh, do do you think because of what's going on with this mo- this monetary in um, disparity between the, between people, you think there is a, a a class warfare because of money? I mean, I mean, it has oh, always been. Say, I mean, yeah. yeah, I would say so. I would say that you know the um, social stratification that we've missed in the past forty years, and and especially since. Um, uh, neoliberalism, uh, you know, just took off, and all of the Western countries adopted it. And this was uh, in the late '80s, and uh, uh, Reagan championed it, uh, Thatcher in England, and Mulroney here in Canada. And uh, this is uh, neoliberal economics. These are economics of austerity, and they have been oppressive to the little people, you and me, and just regular folk, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that has greatly benefited the, um, uh, shall I say, the money class, the the uh, corporate uh, people who uh, are in the corporate sector, uh, corporate profits, shareholders, uh, you know, not, not, not pe- the people that have to go out and, you know, do real things, right? Like... <laughs> Um, you know the financial sector, fire sector. This this is a sector of our economy that is not really productive in terms of how our economy used to. We used to have factories. We made things for Canadians. They needed cars. They needed toasters. They needed. So we were self-sufficient, and 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 we had our own industries, and people made physical things that helped other people. But now everything is sort of devolved into this casino economy. 
where uh, wealth is produced by uh, inflating asset prices. The glaring example is the real estate sector. Oh, yeah, I know. And, es- and especially yeah. as you're out in, and you know something, you know what I'm so happy about? Those bastards at, at Airbnb, you know? Those pieces of shit, you know. I'm so happy about yeah. those fuckers, man. I'm telling you, they go, you know, you know, you know. And and and. Shedding any tears for them, but I'll tell you who I worry about are the young couples that have, you know, their life is moving on and they want to go ahead and have kids and have a job and all the regular things, and all of a sudden they're caught in a trap. They had to buy in it in the market when it was high. And now they're trapped. If market goes down in value, they're going to be hurt very badly, and that's wrong. And the Canadian government really should address that. And there's other ideas, uh, a little bit esoteric, that I won't go into, but there are other ideas that can address those situations. Uh, Do, I mean, I mean, but you're out in the West Coast, and we, and we we're not going to we're not going to get too too into that thing because I don't want I don't want to no. take up too much time on that. Yeah. But but we have. Yeah, yeah. Airbnb is one like you know those those they're looking for a bailout. We have the people on the west. We have people on the west coast where we, the pricing of housing, you know, price a lot of people out. They have people living in the parks. They, they're looking down in the middle class, thinking that they can be hanging out with the upper class because they can drive around with the Range Rovers and the BMWs, and they're living in living in North Van and they li- and or, yeah. or here or here or here. They're trying they're trying yeah, to see if they can. It's, it's, like like it's what the fuck very is this? Sad to see. Very sad to see this sort of spectacle of greed that we've witnessed in the past 20 years or so uh, with the uh, with them inflating the real estate bubble. It is probably the number one um, uh, um, issue uh, in, in terms of um, separating uh, the rich from the poor, real estate is, has been a big player in that. And uh, it used to be that if, you're, if the price of real estate in the residential sector grew, uh, then you would have offsetting growth in wages. And so people could afford it. Um, not always the case, but in general, that's how they tried to keep it so that you know people would be able to have the dream, right? To have, uh, have their homes and pay for them through their work. But that has become detached because we created a bubble, and but we didn't create the wealth uh, amongst the common people in order to pay for the expanding crisis. So we've created a kind of a, a phrase it. I wouldn't call it uh, up, sort of um, upper class. We've we've created this. Uh, Is that under the heading of austerity people, economics? People who have people who have been lucky enough to get into the uh, uh, real estate market, uh, so, so the, the word that I would like to use that is the house rich. We've created a class of people who are the house rich, and they want to protect their wealth and their interests now. So now so now we have a class struggle here. <laughs> we have the uber rich that sort of are involved in the government. They've, through their policies, have created this uh, class of people, the house rich, and but beneath them are the lower classes who don't have the jobs that are uh, that are able to pay for, uh, you know, they, they, their opportunities and their hopes so, aren't there. So, so my segue to this then is going back, uh, going back, uh, you know, so so that we we'll 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 sort of um, close it off with this thing. I mean, but now that sure. now that um, we have this coronavirus, everybody's on a level playing field. Yes. Right. Yeah. I mean, so is there gonna so so 
this corona may actually inject a new economic system. What what's your what's your what's your views on that as a new economic yeah. system going forward? Yeah. That's you know, if anything is it's a horrible situation, but if there's anything that's gonna come out of it is the realization by the public that, you know, these um these ideas uh, that they had before that they're constricted uh, uh, through, you know, federal government can't, you know, has to be funded, et cetera, et cetera, they just aren't there. So, so, so I hopefully open up people's eyes just to the possibilities of improving life and, and maybe bringing back some equality in our country so we don't have the stratification, which is only going to be in trouble. It, 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 you know, people who, who have to live uh, without being able to afford things in Canada are, are going to be sort of, des- you know, uh, committed to being in the lower classes with no way out. So, so we have to change things. So, I mean, do you think the gap is going to close a little bit? I mean, there's going to be, because people are realizing, like like I said on, on the introduction to, to the to, to before I called you, I was saying that the people. I wanted to, to give a thanks out to the to the nurses and to the and to the to the um, grocery clerks and and to the truckers and like they were looked upon as garbage, right? They were looked upon as as menial labor. Now they are the they are the key people bringing the food chain to it. You know, making sure the food chains. Are- You're exactly right, and sadly, that's been the misperception. You know, um, these people. You know, it's the average person that makes the, the, the wheels go round, you know, they're the lifeblood of the economy, the people that do the work, the people that, so I think the realization of that, that these are the people in the front lines now that are doing, doing the right thing in essential industries and, uh, and, and Canadians hopefully will realize how valuable uh, these services are and, uh, and that the people involved, uh, you know, in the, would be considered more menial jobs. They're really the lifeblood of our country. These are the regular folks that make things work, not the people that are inflating asset values in the real estate market or in the stock market and creating false wealth that has uh, that has no real underlying wealth. It's just it's 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 speculation. Wealth earned through speculation always. Uh, Put somebody out, uh, out because they're the wealth that somebody else needs to create the inflated asset isn't there. Mm. Now the person who holds the asset has has inflated the the value of their wealth beyond what people can pay for, it. and it's, it's and that's why and that's why we're going to, and because I re- I read today that that the that that they're telling in the real estate market is going to crash so badly. There's people. They, I mean, I was telling someone today. I said, "What about you know? There's so many people that are trying to run up, go up this ladder, this this invisible, unreachable ladder, right? They buy a house and they want to buy another another house, right? Or, or you know, this they, they bought a house and they want to sell and they want to sell their house. But right now, because of this coronavirus thing and everything is stopped, nobody's buying anything. There's no open houses. There's nobody buying cars. There's nobody going and buying clothes. There's no one doing anything. There's lineups for food. This seems like the Holocaust." I mean, you know, another football analogy, they've moved the goalposts once again, you know, or it's been moved with the coronavirus, it's been moved for us, right? Nature has intervened or some something has intervened. And so now we are facing what's called a black swan event, which is going to put extreme pressures on our economic system. And uh, so it's something we have got to be ready for the changes and the difficulties that we're facing. 
and uh, the, we will not be able to, to address uh, the social uh, potential catastrophe unless we start to realize how our monetary system actually works, unless we abandon uh, this uh, really flawed model of uh, monetarist uh, economics. And, and I would say uh, uh, start, well, the reality is, is that our system the description uh, M&T has for our economic system and our monetary system is the accurate one, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, the description that we are being given uh, through monetarists and austerity economics is inaccurate. It's not how our monetary system actually works. So people have to, have to start paying attention and put a, and some, put a little bit of effort into it. And I, there is a vast amount of resources now. I th- I think I I I think they're paying attention, but but on, on a on a final note, if you looked into your crystal ball, I know I know you sort of touched on it. If you looked into your crystal ball, what do you think? I mean, could be. I mean, just I mean, you're not an economist, as I said. I mean, you are just a guy that 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 was, uh, you know, you're looking for knowledge. You you went you, you started off being someone that that was sort of a a conspiracy theorist type of person, and then you started looking yeah. at the facts, yeah. right? And you started looking at the facts. Yeah. Now now if you if, if I mean, as 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 for what you know and what you have read over the last sixteen years, um, if you looked into your crystal ball, what 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 would you like to see happen? What, you know, like, do you see any, like, I mean, you're talking about austerity economics. You talk about sectorial balance. You talk about MMTs, which is modern monetary theory. I mean, are any of these going to converge and come and? It's up to the people, Roger, because change comes from beneath. It comes from the people. So it's up to the people, to, and hopefully this, this terrible situation gives the people a kick in the pants, and they start thinking, maybe I should listen to my kooky uncle who <laughs> talks about all this monetary stuff. What's in that anyways? And it's not as if, like, it was very difficult five years ago, six, seven years ago, to get information on this. Now... It's everywhere. Uh, presentations uh, given by you know some superb academic people, uh, people in the banking industry. Who one of one in particular, Warren Mosler, was a banker and he was one of the founders of MMT, uh, you know, or neo-chartalism, I like to refer to. But so um, you know, start paying attention to these things. Do a little work. Start thinking about these things. Take away your your preconceived concepts, right? Take your it, ideologies and put them on the put them in a little shoebox, put them on the shelf, and just focus in what the person is saying when they're giving a lecture or a presentation. So I'd recommend Stephanie Kelton for somebody who's just starting out and she's an excellent presenter. Um, any of her of her presentations. Who, who's that? Who's that? I didn't, quite, I didn't, quite enlightening. Who's that? You said I, I didn't. I didn't. I missed. It's, it's a it's a it's an economic uh, professor uh, that has been heavily involved in the MMT movement. She does a lot of presentations. Uh, just a brilliant lady and. Um, an excellent presenter, and uh, so okay. uh, I would say anybody who's just uh, initially getting into this, I would recommend her. Of course, any of the other uh, people that, that in the academic world or wherever who are presenting on this are also excellent. But to start off, I'd recommend her. Um, but the the uh, the thing is, is to you know keep an eye, don't put, bring your biases into this. Put some attention into this and think it through. And, uh, you know, I had to learn some banker speak and a little bit, you know, it's a learning curve. But for me, it was difficult. 
because there was there wasn't the plethora of information that there is now. For others that are just entering into this now, it's gonna, it's way easier to understand, and it's a growing movement. It's it's astonishing because uh, a number of years ago you would never hear anything about it. it was sort of an obscure uh, economic uh, well, school, uh, but now it's everywhere, and there are books and videos and people you can talk well, to. Well, you, well, to. I, I agree, but you know what? So, so, so just to sum up here, Roger, yeah. so, um, uh, so I would encourage people to uh, come to understand uh, what these, uh, how, what these proposals are and this, this understanding of our monetary system, and then they can see the capacity of how that uh, opens up uh, the possibilities for our society to enrich itself. Uh, in terms of uh, being able to to not have these wealth disparities, to not have people who uh, live in poverty, uh, to, to, to not have people who are mired in private debt because they had to spend $40,000 to get their diploma or whatever. There's, and, and there are answers to this. And, and so um, I, would, I would definitely recommend anybody who is, you know, once we get into the repercussions of this um, tragedy, um, we're going to be needing to uh, have answers, and uh, the answers are there. So okay. we have to put aside the old kind of school of thought and and, uh, and understand the possibilities and potentials that, that are right there for us to use right now. Okay. And we're using them right now. Canadian government is practicing MMT. Exactly right now when they're cutting those checks. It's already here. It's already okay. here. So, so, well, don't be, so don't be buffaloed by all this nonsense. Well, well I have to... have to pay that back later and all this stuff. Well, you know, I, I want to thank you, Pete, because um, I think uh, yeah. in, in, in what, what you have explained here, I mean, I, I'm hoping that people see it as, as information. And I, I one of the things I said was education is something that you cannot... You, you cannot dispel. You know, you you need to know this information. I think that that is one of the the greatest things of 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 having this this information. And one of the things I want I I'm doing with this part is these podcasts is more information and enlightenment for people, especially right now. I think it came at the right point. It was the right time. Like as I said, we I spoke with 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 uh, with Greg last last week um, about the about the housing situation. People not you know keep your rent. Now we're talking about money, how it actually works. And I'm hoping that anyone that listens to this, that will say, you know what, I'm going to find out. Because right now, everybody's in the same boat. Everybody is, you know, is saying that... Roger, Roger, yes. knowledge is power. So, Canada, empower yourselves. Understand. Yep. Acquire the knowledge. Petition your politicians. Put them in the hot spot to force them to learn this, too. Get the politicians start talking about this in... in, in uh, a reasonable debate. Start pushing for this, and that's how the changes will be made through the democratic process. But the democratic process starts with the people because we live in a participatory democracy, and if we don't participate, we'll lose our democracy. Okay, Pete. I thank you so much for for this for this talk, and um, and uh, and I'm sure that we'll talk again. And um, and uh, before I go, um, and before we go and sign off. Uh, how is things out uh, out out west today? I mean, is it? I mean, uh, I mean, how how are the streets? How are the people? How is everybody handling it? How you know? Are you well, safe? Well, you know, everybody is uh, different, and you know, I suffer some anxiety uh, from from this. It's a frightful thing. This is 
very uh, fear-oriented, as it should be. Not, not fear, per se, but we have to be careful and understand what's going on. Uh, mm-hmm. People are being conservative for the most part in, all the, in the supermarkets, all the precautions are being taken. Mm-hmm. And, uh, people are staying home. Um, you know, so everybody's mindful of that, and hopefully this is uh, will will be the right formula. So as we progress through this, we'll limit the damage, and we'll come out the other side of it, and mm. and then hopefully we can rebuild, who, and, and, and rebuild the country and uh, along better lines and and become fiscally responsible. Anyway, Pete, thanks so much. Sure. Thanks so much for, for for talking with me here today. We. We we had a lot a lot we, we covered a lot and you you covered a lot and, yeah. and 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 that was that was pretty pretty damn good so thank you so much. Yeah. Well, it's my pleasure, Roger. Thanks for calling. Me. Okay. Well, there we have it, folks. My buddy Peter, scaring the shit out of us with this, with us um, with this money situation, and now that we're all on welfare, get used to it because it's going to be around for a little while. So. Uh, Until the next episode and the next installment, which will be episode four, I look forward to speaking to somebody new and um, getting you guys all using your brain to think about uh, the future. Take care and be safe.